Thanks, Jordan. That's a powerful word. I want to be filled up like that. I know. Amen. I love that. It's easy to feel in these days like a broken cup. Mm. And uh, Mm -hmm. I love that simple but beautiful picture of Mm -hmm. what Jesus does in faith to restore us. Our message today uh, couldn't be more connected Mm -hmm. uh, because Raul and I are going to be co-preaching on Acts 9 on the Damascus Road experience Mm -hmm. of Saul where he becomes Paul and how Ananias uh, is called into transformation into the discipleship journey where he gets a front row seat to Saul's uh, transformation. The, The message is called... The message is called... Blindness to sight. Blindness becomes a beginning because we always have to alliterate. <laughs> Raul's already made fun of me today. <laughs> Blindness becomes a beginning. Right. I don't know how I did it. Three Bs. Yeah, amazing. Don't, don't mistake. This is going to be like a preacher battle right here, right? And I'm going to win you over with all my preaching hands, okay? Yeah, yeah no, uh, in all seriousness, uh, Raul and I want to bring the message today. We're going to be talking about transformation. We're going to be talking about race in the American church. We're going to talk about uh, how we can become uh, more fully aligned to the purposes of Christ, but only when we confess and see our own blindness. So we pray with me as we dive into Acts 9. Jesus, thank you for these moments before us. We pray that you would open us up and help reveal in us places of blindness, places of fear, places where we've been holding uh, parts of our discipleship journey back. And Jesus, would you make us new? Would you allow us to be overfilled uh, with your spirit? Uh, We want to be made brand new, God, in your life. And so uh, use our words now uh, to be part of transformation stories throughout our community. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Are you okay? Uh, I feel like this, the Lord gave me, the Spirit spoke to me last night. Are you okay if I start with the story? I love that. So last night I was on a call um, with church leaders uh, discussing uh, uh, how we are going to respond, address uh, issues of racism in our church. Uh, and on that call... Uh, the Spirit directed my eyes to uh, one little window uh, of a a leader of color, um, female leader of color in our congregation that I hurt. And uh, so the the summary in in short is uh, through decisions of mine, I I posted a Facebook post that I was attempting to be honoring but was quite dishonoring to this, uh, this leader of color. And when she responded to me, I heard it, but I was not repentant. I was unwilling to uh, go any further than just a simple, I'm sorry. And for months and months as this, as we dialogued, I was, I dug it out. I was prideful. I was not humble. I was uh, willfully ignorant to why that could be hurtful. Um, and for many reasons, I just was unwilling to come to sincerely apologize. And I, I spoke to her uh, just today, and she gave me permission to share this story because it it's not only beneficial to, uh, to our relationship, I think, but also to the church, to you. And what I want to say to you is that through this story, through actually coming and working through it and sincerely apologizing and receiving her forgiveness, I realized that racism was in me too. My blindness to sight moment has recently been not because somebody harmed me, but because I harmed another. Racism was in me too. 
Yeah, that's uh, super raw, and I appreciate your vulnerability uh, because that's been a lot of my story as well in these last couple of months, dealing with my own blindness and my own ignorance and at times my own mistakes in order to be more full of Jesus. And that's what today's message is going to be about. As we look at Acts 9, we want to we be leading transformation, but we have to deal with blindness. So uh, hopefully you have your Bibles at home. This is Acts 9. We're going to break this into two parts. We're going to be looking at Saul's conversion and then Ananias's transformation as well. So uh, Acts 9 verses 1 through 9. Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus. So if he found any belonging to the way, men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as Saul was traveling, he was uh, approaching Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground. He heard a voice calling from heaven, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but get up and enter the city and it will be told what you must do next. The men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. And Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. And leading him by the hand, they brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and he neither ate nor drank. Well, this is like part one here. We talk about Saul's blindness. And, um, you know, to move through this fairly quickly, Saul, we just learned in Acts 8 about the death of, of Stephen and then the... Uh, Philip's baptism of the Ethiopian eunuch. The church is breaking new ground, disabling and toppling old strongholds, and people in power are uncomfortable with it. Saul was likely in Jerusalem when Christ was crucified. He was a leader in the persecution of the way of Christians. So he's on his way to Damascus to keep up this persecution. Why? Because people in power don't like to be disrupted. Because tradition and and upbringing for some people, when Jesus is forcing new people to the table, it's incredibly disorientating. And so Saul thought he was being faithful to God. And then Jesus cracks through a a light from heaven and says, enough. And I love here that Jesus says, I am Jesus. This is the starting place of transformation, a declaration about the certainty of who God is. A lot of times we feel blind. We can feel uncertain. But the truth of our existence is in relationship to the power of one on high, Jesus Christ. And so Saul is, is knocked down and blinded and uh, dealing with the fact that he can't eat and he can't see. And he, this man of great power and influence, is led like a beggar into Damascus. He, he goes to stay at a house. It's not totally clear what happened to the men he was traveling with. Uh, but when later Ananias is called, Saul is praying. He's hungry to be changed. And that's what this story is about, moving from blindness to sight, moving to persecution to later Saul will be preaching Christ. And it says the people are astonished, moving from comfortable to called out. And that's where as your pastor in this day and age, I have to say to you, this is our story. Oftentimes we'll read Acts 9 and it's like, oh yeah, I once was far from Christ, but if I'm a believer, like that's an old and done story. But this story is alive and meant to be uh, emboldened by the Holy Spirit to say, how must 
must I deal with my current blindness? What parts of my discipleship journey with Christ are, are stuck in this old story where I'm blind to what the Spirit is asking me to do? Who am I meant to be reaching out to? I heard this incredible podcast with John Perkins and Brian Stevenson, and he said, thank God that Jesus calls out to heaven for the Sauls. If you think about this place in the story, Saul would have been the most unlikely character to be invited to fellowship with Christ. The Ethiopian eunuch, uh, you know, the, the Samaritans, all this is amazing. And now the coup de grace, the one least likely to experience transformation, that's who Jesus came for. And may our church never Get tired of declaring who Jesus is and may our church hunger to reach out to people that are far from Christ in order to be changed. And so Saul, he realizes if he wants to see Jesus, to see ever again, his blindness is required. Blindness is required to total transformation. And so for us, church, if we wanna see more of Jesus, we've gotta deal with our blindness. We've got to deal with places in our journey where we're just unable or unwilling to allow more people to journey to Christ. Amen. And that's, that's the power of this story is that blindness is required for our discipleship. I think many times we, we kind of look at this story and it feels like this is a one-time thing. That happened to Saul. It was almost a Hollywood moment or something like that. But no, this blindness is a regular occurrence that we are drawn into and the spirit of God uses to give us new sight, much like my circumstance. It took me a long time in the darkness to realize that I needed to cling to the spirit of God for new sight. And that's what happens with Paul here. And what's so powerful is there's, there's this really powerful juxtaposition is that Paul is approaching Damascus, breathing murderous threats. And that word there, breathing, is empneo, which really, it means to inhale. So that phrase, breathing murderous threats, it's like a word picture. And what it means, it conjures up this image of Saul inhaling the breath of his victims as a result of taking their lives. He's there to seek out their spirits and inhale them, breathing murderous threats. This is in contrast to, to the picture of Jesus breathing the Holy Spirit into his disciples after his resurrection. So there's this powerful contrast here, and we see that, that Saul is seeking to do this, this evil thing, but he kind of wants to cover it up with, you know, in the name of God, he has the authority from the high priests to do this awful thing. And when he gets encountered by Christ, Christ asks him a very profound question. He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Willie James Jennings rephrases that question. Saul, why are you hurting me? That's a question that comes out of the mouths of the poor, children, women, people of color. And yet, this is coming out of the mouth of Jesus. And Saul, he, doesn't, he's, he thinks he's persecuting these Jews. He doesn't think he's persecuting God, but God reveals to him. When I put myself into the bodies of my believers and you persecute them, you persecute the church, you hurt the church, you're hurting me. So this is now God's question. And Saul, in this place, he's just 
in the dark, he's having to wrestle with this. So both disrupted and blind, he waits at the house of Judas on, on Straight Street. And he must consider whether he will sacrifice his self-righteous belief to receive the healing touch from a converted Christian Jew he was there to persecute. He must consider if he will hunger and thirst for Jesus, the true righteousness, to redirect him to new sight. Yeah, when you just think of that picture of Saul being blinded and fasting, waiting in a darkened room on Straight Street, that's a visceral image that it feels like kind of a modern picture of our day, sitting in the midst of COVID, unknowing what comes next, sitting in the midst of a city disrupted by race riots and chaos and conflict. And are we willing to deal with blindness? Are we willing for Christ to really remake us right now? That's the powerful question for me that I've been wrestling with all week in this text. I was in this call this week with some leaders from around the area, and someone said, some of our greatest victories have come from that place after we fall flat on our face because we realize we don't like being down there that close to the pavement. And so that's what this story is about. The blindness is required. The being a disciple to Christ isn't a place on high of saying, I have all the answers, though we do have relationship with Christ. It's saying, Christ, remake me, shape my blind spots, allow me to welcome new people into fellowship with you. May I hunger for righteousness and, and allow others to participate in your saving grace. And that's the lost to found moment that, I mean, we could do a whole series on this text. It's so powerful. Jesus kind of reveals to Saul that, like you said, Raul, his, his anger is destroying God, trying to destroy God, and in the moment, it's destroying Saul himself, and so he must deal with his blindness. And everyone is different after an encounter with Christ, but real disciples that go the distance of transformation say, take every element of my blindness, Jesus, take it as my moment of confession and offering and change me. And so I just want to, you know, I'll introduce this later as well, but I'll ask this question in the coffee houses afterwards, you know, where, where is God convicting you? What are blind spots? What are people that feel difficult for you to, to, to see enter into the kingdom of God? Where is God asking you to move? And how is this picture of Saul's transformation impacting you currently? Well, can we turn to Ananias? Yeah. All right. So this is uh, Acts 9, 10 through 18. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. The story of Ananias is so encouraging to me because I've thought a lot about the Damascus Road experience, and I often focus on Saul. But Ananias gets a front row seat to Saul's transformation. And much like Saul moves from blindness to sight, Ananias takes this journey himself in the text from being more comfortable to being called out. And that's where, like, as I read the story this week, I really felt like the Holy Spirit convicting me. Often I can be like Ananias, knowing the next step to speaking about Jesus, inviting more and more people to participate, taking hard steps cross-culturally, but unable at times to deal with what God's asked me to do because of my fear. I mean, two things to look at with Ananias. First of all, notice that when Jesus calls out to Saul, he says, where are, you know, who are you? But when Ananias hears the voice of the Lord, what does he say immediately? Yes, Lord. That's a gift that he's cultivated. If you want to hear more of the Holy Spirit, if you want to be leaning into what God's saying, that is a gift that Jesus wants to give you, but it's a gift that must be stewarded and cultivated. When you show up in prayer, when you're listening for the Holy Spirit, you will cultivate that that gift so that when God speaks, you're able to receive it. And then God, and Jesus says very clearly, Ananias, go, there's a guy, he's my instrument. But you see Ananias is stuck in a place of fear. And luckily, he speaks his fear to Jesus. He doesn't just check out and run the opposite way like Jonah to you know, Nineveh or something. But you know, he deals with it by bringing it to Christ. And Jesus says, it's going to be okay. I'll tell you what to do next. And I love this because God uses fearful disciples. God uses doubting disciples. God uses people that are stuck saying, I don't know. I heard about this Saul. He's a murderer. I don't know, God, if what you're asking me to do to, to invite someone uh, from, my, from my cubicle into my bubble to sit in my backyard and consider the claims of Christ. It is said right now that non-believing people are more open than ever to consider the claims of Christ. Maybe Jesus is asking you to, to love on a Saul in your life to love on somebody that you would never think would consider the claims of Christ. And maybe there's been fear or or distractions or disruptions. Maybe you feel like the Saul is even you, that you are wrestling with the truth of Jesus Christ. But at the end of this text, what does it say? That Saul is so different because of who Christ is that he tells everyone he knows, Jesus is the Lord. This is a discipleship story, and we have a problem in our church. We have a race problem. We also, like, we have a discipleship problem. And and these two things are intertwined. If we deal with our discipleship issues and actually come to Christ, we can more easily build relationships cross-culturally and deal with our blindness. And I'll say, as a white leader in this church, I've been far too blind to issues of racism in our church and in our city and in our country. And I repent of that. And it's my friendship with Raul that's really helped move me from blindness to sight. And we're not done yet. We continue to do the journey. Uh, And make no mistake about it, this work of discipleship, it it is formed in the dark. So it's not... It's not, uh, when, we, when we get blinded in our circumstances or even blinded by God, don't fight the dark. Embrace it. That's good. Because it is truly embracing the darkness that is your salvation. Why? Because that's where the Holy Spirit is. That's where we're willing to listen. The Lord knows we're obstinate. We need to be broken. We need to be, we need to be led by the arm into the city. And so that's where discipleship is formed in these repeated 
blindnesses and darknesses. And the challenge is that the Lord invites us to places we don't want to go because we feel like we have the true knowledge or we feel like we have the right perspective. But again, William James Jennings says this, reflecting on Ananias. The truth we know of a person or people must move to the background. And what we know of God's desire for them must move to the foreground. The danger we imagine inscribed on their bodies must be read against the delight we know God takes in their life. You see, Saul, he was a killer, but God had other knowledge and desires for him. So he shares that with Ananias. And Ananias was put into the position as a disciple to reorder his knowledge. Should I act on what I know about Saul or should I act on what God has told me about that person? And truly, this is where we can be, be disciples. I encourage you to, to follow after your king, King Jesus, and as his disciples, repeatedly embrace the disruption that comes with being struck blind and allow the Holy Spirit to redirect you to new sight. As we wrap up, I just want to be really, really clear. Uh, we are invited to this work together. And as your leader, I say there's far too much blindness in my own life. There's times I feel more like Saul than the redeemed Paul. But by the grace of God, he's invited me to continue this work. If you want to go deeper with Jesus, blindness would be required. But it's the beginning to real discipleship. Yeah. So let me just yeah. paint a picture of where we're going. Deeper intimacy with the Spirit. More, more fulfillment with Christ's relationship. Hungering for his righteousness, for his glory. That our church would make an impact that we'd be invited many to discipleship for his glory through us, broken vessels. Will you pray with me now, Lord Jesus? Thank you for this moment in time, this encounter with your text over Acts 9. And thank you that uh, Ananias followed through on what you asked him to do. Thank you that you cracked through the heavens and, and took a murderous uh, person like Saul and transformed him into uh, Paul, the great evangelist and apostle. God, may that be my journey too. May that be our journey, that we would be changed that we would be moving from places of blindness to sight, encounter us, convict us, empower us for your glory. And all God's people, wherever they're gathered, said in unison, amen.